Hey everyone, and welcome to the Darkcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley, and this is DCI number 84. In this episode, we talk to Adam Simonar of N5 Studios to discuss Pamela. Pamela is an upcoming action RPG game with roguelike mechanics that is inspired by the likes of Mass Effect, Deus Ex, and Bioshock. It seems really, really interesting, and you can find the launch trailer on our website, darkstation.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, darkstation underscore com, and you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Lastly, you can always send us an email at podcast at darkstation.com. Now, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now on with the show. tonight how are you doing uh, i'm doing pretty well i can't complain what are you guys i'm i'm doing all right i actually hurt my leg backpacking this weekend uh realized i i got old while i wasn't looking <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an uncommon incident eh? uh backpacking uh accident that's not too common eh? <laughs> <laughs> no no it's not but uh I, I think i just pulled a muscle or something and i, I realized that I'm not quite as resilient as I once was, and it made me sad. But <laughs> it happens to the best of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, we're not here to talk about backpacking incidents. We're here to talk about Pamela. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, let's talk a little bit about who you are and what you do. At um, is there a pronunciation for the studio? <laughs> is it Nivivi or like what? How how do we say that? Uh, so it's it's pronounced Envive. Um, okay. <laughs> kind of like Nvidia, that sort of thing. I think we 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 we're, we're thinking about like putting a little pronunciation guide up on the site somewhere. Probably wouldn't be a bad idea in the future. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm Adam. I'm the studio director at uh, Envive Studios um, on Pamela. Uh, what I do from from day to day uh, depends quite a bit. Uh, we're only four person team, so uh, basically we all have to kind of really, you know, share the load, wear a lot of hats. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, studio director kind of ends up being, you know, animator, artist, you know, architect, level designer, all these kind of different things. Um, and, uh, and yeah, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're a pretty new studio. We, we actually uh, kind of uh, sort of split off from uh, Envive, so not Envive Studios, but Envive, which is a uh, architectural um architectural kind of rendering firm, which we also were doing it um, in Unity, so it was also game engine kind of work, but, but what, we, what we've, we've done to split off is, is kind of work on Pamela now, so we're using that, you know, that kind of background um, to actually make a game, so it's, uh, you know, a, a few of us who, who, who founded Envive in the, in the beginning are now kind of doing this, um, so that's kind of the short little background of, of kind of where we came from. Pamela's our first game, so we're... Uh, you know, we're, we're definitely new, <laughs> I would I'd have to say. Awesome. Well, how, how long have you actually been working on Pamela at this point? Uh, we've been working about uh, just kind of around four months uh, at, at this point, I would say. Um, we uh, we just announced at GDC about almost, I guess, a month ago now, three weeks ago. Um, 
so we had a big crunch to kind of get ready for that. Um, you know, we were showing off at the Unity booth, which was a pretty cool opportunity, especially being kind of so early in development. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so about four months, I'd say. Nice. Nice. Uh, so did, did you split off to kind of work on Pamela, or was it you just wanted to get into games and Pamela happens to be the first thing that you're, you're working on? Um, how, did, how did that transition from InVive to InVive Studios happen? Right, so uh, Pamela's been kind of something that uh, it, it's, it's been like a kind of idea and a kind of the concept sort of was growing and uh, growing in our heads for a while before we you know, actually were really working on it, like you know, the sort of planning and, and discussion and all that kind of stuff before any code or code was written or any you know, concept art was drawn, we sort of had this idea of this thing we wanted to make um, and uh, it was kind of always a goal of ours for, for a long time before we actually, um, you know, made the jump. Um, and we're, we're still sort of, uh, you know, Envive and Envive Studios are still kind of, you know, we're, we're, we're all in the same building and everything, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's a, it's a very much like a separate team, you know, dedicated to, to just this. So, um, so yeah, it's, it was definitely uh, kind of like a, a planned thing we've been wanting to do, and, uh, you know, the, the timing and everything just kind of, Seem to work out, um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so, did you did you go to school for video games, or what? Uh, what what's your background in? Yeah, um, I actually did not go to school for video games. Um, my my background <laughs> is in uh, architecture, actually. Um, okay. I did uh, a few years. I didn't actually. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this. I, I didn't actually graduate. I did a couple years of architecture school, and I, it kind of was. I realized that I. I didn't as much as I enjoyed designing, uh, it, it, it wasn't like kind of what exactly what I thought it was, and I, I sort of knew that I wanted to switch more towards kind of game something. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that point, uh, through kind of actually what started out kind of as a as a job doing architectural renderings, one thing led to another, and it's kind of a long story. But um, I, I ended up uh, starting Envive here with our with our CEO. Um, which was, like I said, we were doing like real-time kind of architectural walkthroughs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of you know weird how one thing led to another, but uh, I never actually have been formally trained in, in any of this. It's all been, you know, um, learning it along the way, I guess. <laughs> Which actually, uh, in the team actually working on Pamela, uh, you know, a couple of us actually weren't specifically trained to be doing what we're doing now, and we've kind of just picked it up. Um, but you know, I think that kind of speaks to, to the kind of day and age we're in now, where if you have like, you know, some ambition to do something, the software and the resources to learn are, are so easy to, to get your hands on that it really makes it possible to, you know, you don't have to go to school for like, you know, four years and spend however much, however many thousands of dollars to, to be able to do this kind of stuff, which is, you know, that's pretty exciting. I think I, mean, I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't the case. So, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. Now, where are you guys actually located? Uh, we're located just outside of Toronto, Canada. Okay. Very cool. So what, what is what is Pamela? Uh, what is Pamela? So the elevator pitch uh, of Pamela is uh, it's a utopian survival horror game. So to kind of elaborate on that, basically, uh, it's... A... Please, because utopian and survival horror... <laughs> sound like they don't go together. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of why we sort of like to put it that way because we're we're trying to do we're trying to take a spin on on the genre that we kind of feel hasn't really um, 
kind of been done before. Um, taking this like, I mean, if you, you know if you've seen the trailer, like you have an idea, right? It's a very like kind of picturesque, clean, you know, kind of sci-fi setting, but then it's a survival horror game. So you know, you're taking these two elements, which normally you don't really see them, you know, mixing too much and and, and combine them and sort of seeing what happens. Um, so a, a, a big, big, big part of that, I think, you know, like you said, they don't kind of usually belong, but what, what we sort of found, you know, and we're still, we're still early on. So, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't want to make too many sweeping promises here and everything, but, <laughs> but what we, what we found is, uh, it's kind of interesting is the contrast between the environment being kind of like this sort of clean kind of innocuous place. You think it's kind of like safe traditionally. Right. But then, uh, when you have these other elements interspersed, like you have the uh, citizens of the city who've been infected by this, you know, terrible disease, which which causes like uncontrollable bone growth, they're incredible agony, like it's a really kind of terrible thing that's happening. The contrast actually kind of, you know, makes it actually almost more terrifying, right? Because you're taking this kind of safe place and you're actually making it something that's really not and really kind of terrifying. So. Um, I mean, that's kind of the goal, you know, <laughs> at least to, to, to try to mash these things together and sort of end up with something that's uh, kind of special and unique. So, so to, to hopefully lead into the lore a little bit, just to get a, give us a taste, um, here, leading question, why as humanity can't we have nice things? <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually really a really great question um, <laughs> because kind of in, in, in a way that's... Uh, that's kind of one of the central uh, themes, actually, of, of the game. Like one of the underlying kind of messages that we want to push is really, um, is really saying, you know, hey, look, we're we think we have so much power over, you know, through science and you know research, and we're kind of, you know, in, in the in the universe of Pamela, the idea is they've kind of conquered all, you know, illnesses. There's bioaugmentation. You know, they're trying to sort of achieve, you know, godhood in a way. So it's like. This kind of natural human desire to kind of keep getting better and better and sort of keep reaching a little bit more and more all the time, right? Um, so, I guess it's kind of a cautionary tale to say that okay, you know, you can keep on reaching, but at a certain point, you know, humanity is only meant to go so far. If you try to make yourself, you know, you try to make yourself kind of into like gods instead of men, this is sort of like the dark, you know, consequences that that kind of come along with that. So. So you guys have taken a very Homer Simpson, if you don't try, you will never fail kind of approach to humanity's future. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah. <laughs> that's kind of it, yeah. So how does, who's Pamela and how does she fit in at all of this? Yeah, so Pamela is the, uh, the AI kind of overseer over Eden, so that's a city that you find yourself on. Um, in, in, in better times, she would basically be watching over people. She would be maintaining the city, kind of keeping everything running. She's sort of an omnipresent, um, you know, uh, presence <laughs> basically throughout, throughout, the, throughout the world. So at the point when the player is, uh, is in the game, after everything has happened, basically all the civilian, uh, all the citizens of Eden are, as I said, they, you know, they have this horrible, terrible disease. They're in, in total agony. So you know, her connection with them is basically severed. So she's kind of, she's kind of lost because her, her purpose was really to kind of be taking care of these people. And now that's, you know, and now she can't anymore. So you as the player, um, she kind of bonds to you a little bit. She sort of becomes fixated on, on, on helping you. I, I don't want to 
necessarily go into like too many specifics on, on how that ends up happening in, in the game, but um, it's it's a big theme. I mean, the game is called Pamela, right? So obviously she's important in her relationship with the character. And pa Pamela's kind of, Pamela's more Jarvis than GLaDOS, right? She's a friend, she's not, or is right. she? Don't right, right. Okay. She, she, she's definitely she's definitely a friend. Uh, there, there is no uh, kind of like evil uh, AI, you know, kind of <laughs> thing going on. Um, I, I was I was gonna say because uh -huh. I was gonna say I feel like I've heard of another you know omnipresent female AI who has an acronym for a name that you know is over <laughs> what's supposed to be Eden. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair enough. No, I mean we, we definitely want to. Uh, to avoid uh, that kind of, um, you know, I don't want to say cliche as if it's a bad thing necessarily, but we, we, we didn't want her to be an evil force. Um, so, no, she's definitely on your side. <laughs> nice. Does Pamela stand for anything? She has dots in her name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it does. Um, and I, uh, and now you know you're putting me on the spot here, and uh, our creative director would be able to <laughs> answer that, but she's not here right now, so... <laughs> You have to quit. You have to ask me another time. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. That's that's good. <laughs> uh, now, um, on your website, you you mentioned getting uh, some inspiration for this game from the likes of like Mass Effect, Deus Ex, uh, Bioshock. Uh, that's that's a lot of big names. Like, how how exactly are you kind of drawing from those in in building Pamela? Yeah. So um, we. We, were, we wanted to be kind of careful when we, when we kind of were putting up some of that stuff. We, we didn't, definitely don't want it to come across as though we kind of made a list of games and say, okay, we're going to make all these games put together. Right. It's, uh, it's more, you know, trying to, for people who otherwise have no idea what we're doing, it's kind of like, hey, here's some stuff that we're kind of, you know, some of our, 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 our things, that, our inspirations that kind of came through. So, I mean, uh, you know, those ones specifically you mentioned, I mean, uh, the, the Mass Effect inspiration, I think, comes in, you know, from partly from the artistic style of mm -hmm. the game. Have really gorgeous environments, and and the thing that was really cool about Mass Effect was that, you know, when you're going through the, uh, you know, the Presidium in these places, like you felt like, you know, wow, this is like a real place. It's like mm -hmm. a real living, breathing area where there's these different districts, and you kind of you're seeing people kind of go about their lives. And even though it's a sci-fi setting, it, it all felt very believable and very fleshed out both like from like an audio visual sort of standpoint so you know we're, we're definitely aspiring to um you know we're, we're obviously in a different genre than them but we're aspiring to kind of create something that you know is is reminiscent of that same feeling that like you can really place yourself in that universe um and i mean the uh, the deus ex and bioshock uh you know those those references it, they come from a few things i mean uh, part, partly partly gameplay wise i mean a, a big aspect of the uh the actual kind of core gameplay is you're you're surviving, of course, but you're you're kind of finding you're finding equipment, you're finding loot along the way, so you're customizing uh, yourself with different weapons. You find um, we have like a modular uh, equipment system, so it, it wasn't necessarily uh, really highlighted as much in the, in the in the trailer, but you you might have noticed you kind of are equipping some weapons onto your arm, so you, you basically have all these different slots that you can kind of you can attach like. A, like a dagger kind of attachment to your hand and like a rifle sort of, you know, not literally a rifle, but, you know, you get my meaning onto mm -hmm. to your arm uh, and like kind of augment those with different pieces you find throughout the environment. So, you know, that kind of customization aspect uh, is really important as, as well as the kind of the themes, which like we kind of already talked about, but the, uh, the whole kind of, 
you know, transhuman, uh, you know, idea behind what happened, uh, you know, in the, in the Deus Ex uh, um, series is like, you know, progress is not always a good thing, even though it kind of seems like it is on the surface. It's like, what are the consequences behind, you know, replacing half your body with a machine, as in the case of Deus Ex, right? It's um, that same kind of cautionary tale, I think, that, that we're trying to, you know, pursue. Okay. Cool. Now you you mentioned the uh, the arm device um, on the website. It also talks about having very unconventional weapons, um, and I, I say this with like total joy. But can we expect like Ratchet and Clank level unconventional weapons? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, we're we're we're, uh, we're we're definitely trying to uh, to 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 really be kind of creative and. In the weapons that we're uh, that, that we're, we're putting into the game, I mean, there's going to be kind of, you know, your some more standard things like kind of pistol and dagger and that kind of more standard fare to, to also some kind of interesting uh, weapons that are they're going to be uh, sort of we're kind of saying semi procedural and you know I don't quote me on any of this necessarily because it's subject to change at this point, but um, you know we, we, we definitely want to uh, we want we want to kind of create a system that's that's robust and you, you end up with even though you've kind of gone through the same area of the game, you know, maybe multiple times, there's still the chance that you're going to find something that's a weird kind of variant on something that you might have found before that has a, a different kind of status effect that's going to kind of play well with something else. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> much of answers your question, but uh, we're, we're, we're definitely trying to make the weapons um, interesting and, and different, kind of take advantage of the, the setting we're in and, you know, taking a bit of liberty to sort of... Uh, you know, be a bit, you know, out there with, with some of them. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you mentioned finding ones with kind of, like, different um, status effects. Are, are there, are you doing kind of like a Borderlands thing where every weapon you find might be a little bit different from another weapon that you find? Is that, are they randomly generated? How, how does that kind of work? Yeah, it's, so uh, we're, we're trying to strike a balance between um, procedural, uh, procedural and, like, you know, fairly meaningful ways. I mean, we don't want to, I guess we, we, we're trying to avoid creating a system where, you know, you end up with like, you know, a sword of plus five damage and sword of plus six damage and, and you know, that kind of thing where we're, we're trying to find a way to sort of have fairly substantial different kind of properties that get mixed together. Um, so how procedural that ends up being, uh, I mean, is, is not 100% ironed out yet. We want to basically make a, a system that's going to provide people with lots of, you know, a constant stream of kind of new things that they haven't found before, but each weapon still feels like, you know, as much as it can, like a handmade, you know, weapon. You know, as much as possible, anyway. Yeah. So we're not going to get 100 weapons that are all technically different, but really only have, like, one stat different. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the hope. I mean, you, you know, like, it, it kind of begs the question of, like, you know, what's... What's the point, I guess, right? If they're pretty much the same, but they're like a little bit different, you know, it's it's always more interesting when you're choosing between two things that are like totally, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum or something. It's more usually more interesting. So, very cool. And I, I think the point there is so that you can say the game has billions of weapons on the box. I think that's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think what was it? Borderlands. Last Borderlands game was like. A, 
for Jillian Millionaire. Yeah. What I'm, I'm pretty sure they've made up a word to come up with yep. the number of weapons in that game. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the what's going on with the uh, with kind of the day night cycle? So is there is there a safe period where you're kind of running around and and collecting and doing stuff, and then a a period where it's like uh, don't go outside, it's dangerous? Or am I punching trees to build a hole so that I could survive the night? <laughs> Yeah, you know, in a matter of speaking, sort of. I mean, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, to to an extent. I mean, during the during the daytime, um, the 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 residents are, are are certainly going to be less hostile. If you're in like a very well lit area, they're going to be less hostile, a bit more kind of um, timid because they're 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 to be clear. Like, if I'm, I'm not sure I mentioned this before, but they're not zombies. They're they're still human, um, and they're kind of governed by a like a personality driven AI system. So. You know, some of them might have the chance to be more aggressive. Some of them might be more timid. So there's that element of it as, as well. But definitely with, with having the day-night cycle, night is definitely meant to be um, kind of a more dangerous time. So uh, in, in doing that, we're, we're, we're trying to give players, you know, means to, you know, combat that. As kind of, as you said, right, you know, you're, you're punching trees and digging a hole or whatever. Um, what, what we're doing is we have... Uh, we have a power system as well that goes, it's kind of, you know, tied into all the other uh, systems in the game. So Eden actually has um, a uh, kind of replenish, slowly replenishing power system that you can use to turn on the lights, to turn on equipment in areas, um, which is obviously going to give you advantages. But if you if you run out, if you overdo it, you can also get stuck completely in the dark. So it's, uh, it's kind, of side, uh, kind of a side system that really sort of is underlying um, you know everything you do um, that you've got to kind of be balancing, um, and we're uh, we're, we're also uh, again don't quote me too much. We're we're experimenting with um, some ways of, uh, of of building. I mean, it's not going to be, of course, like Minecraft level where you're kind of breaking right into the into the world. But um, we're, we're experimenting with some sort of like you know kind of like high tech gadgets that sort of allow you to uh, to kind of modify the environment to sort of provide yourself some sort of um, safe haven. Because, I mean, people love building stuff. It's just, you know, it, it's just a fact. People really love it, and, and we do too, <laughs> you know. So we're, we're trying to kind of incorporate a little bit of that aspect in there in a way that really makes sense with, you know, with the world. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Um, now, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, obviously wanting to have building stuff, uh, but... What other kind of loot are we going to be finding throughout the world? I mean, is this uh, is most of what we find going to be arm attachments, or what? How interactive is the world? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. Right. Um, so the, yeah, there's a, a few different kind of sections, I guess, of, of things that they would fall into. I mean, there's definitely arm attachments are a big one. That's kind of one of the main. Uh, Aspects that governs your character, but another uh, another big aspect of the game is bio augmentation. So, um, in, in different different kind of areas throughout the uh, throughout Eden, you'll be able to actually augment your body with um, with, with different kinds of upgrades that are uh, that are, are going to give you some different abilities. I mean, not necessarily um, you know like uh, what, what, what like Bioshock. I don't want you to necessarily take that reference and think we're going to be you know shooting fireballs out of our hands necessarily, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that that'll that'll be a big part of it too, um, as well as finding you know of course food and, and water and shelter and all this kind of stuff uh, that kind of goes with you know the whole 
you know, survival aspect of the game. Um, okay, uh, so, uh, just a, a quick question. You mentioned food and water. Uh, yeah, generally when you talk about a survival horror game, it's, you know, a game that has not a lot of ammunition and a bunch of jump scares. Um, but, like, is there a, a food meter that's, like, as that drains, you get weaker? Like, how how does how does uh, nutrients kind of fit into the, the whole survival world? Right. Yeah, we're, uh, so I guess in terms of uh, survival horror, I suppose we would be, um, in that way, we would perhaps be more kind of comparable to like a Daisy or the Forest, you know, if, if you're familiar with those games, that kind of, that kind of experience, not, not the multiplayer aspect of Daisy, but, you know, the sort of like scavenging, you're kind of warding off sort of these, you know, natural elements of, you know, hunger, uh, thirst, warmth, you know, uh, Fatigue from you know not sleeping that kind of thing. Um, so there definitely will be all these different kind of uh, you know meters that are that are bouncing. Uh, mm-hmm. We definitely uh, you know we don't want to make the game just one kind of glorified hunger meter. That that's kind of like the driving force behind it. It's more kind of like another thing that you've got to be kind of paying attention to as you're as you're exploring and as you're trying to sort of uncover um, you know uncover the events that that, that happened basically. That led to led to your what you're doing right now. Very cool. Um, now you mentioned, um, or actually, you you didn't mention it. it on the website. It mentions uh, that the game is has some roguelike elements. It's got permadeath in it. Can you talk a little bit about how that works? Right. Um, so yeah, it, it is uh, it is permadeath. Um, uh, one of the main uh, reasons behind behind that being we really want it to feel um, a you know in, impactful that what you're doing like each decision you make is is substantial like you don't want to just be kind of you know just kind of running around not really worrying about too much because you're going to respawn anyway um, so that's that's one of the one of the first things that kind of uh, push us towards that direction but another element of uh, of the permadeath really is that we we don't want to kind of make your your character you know, too important. You know, you're not like you're not Master Chief. You're not, you know, Commander Shepard, whatever. Like, you're not this kind of hero character. You're you're basically uh, you wake up as basically a nobody into this situation. Um, and Pamela, kind of, as I said, she sort of fixates onto you um, because you're kind of the only only person she has left, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's uh, it's it's very much kind of focusing on that sort of like you're just kind of this you're this guy. You know, you wake up you go around, you do what you're going to do, and if you die, you know, that's kind of the end of your story. And then, you know, you start again as, you know, you wake up in a totally different location in the city. Um, you know, you can, you can freely explore it, uh, of course, but, you're, you know, you'll, you'll spawn in kind of randomized locations, and you're basically, you know, basically kind of go again uh, with, you know, some randomizations in the environment and that kind of thing. Uh, it will be possible to um, sort of... Uh, collect extra, you know, quote-unquote extra lives, uh, so to speak, <laughs> um, through through some things in the environment. Um, it's not going to be easy, but we wanted to sort of, you know, for the players who are going to really kind of scour everywhere, you can kind of buy yourself a little bit of a safety net. So if you sink, you know, a ton of hours into, you know, really kind of beefing up a character, you at least can, you know, be a little bit farther from kind of losing everything. Okay. Uh, now, when when you die, and I, I know this might not be something that's 
uh, in the game yet, or might not be in the game, I don't know. But uh, it, when you die and you come back as somebody else, uh, can you go find your, your old body and and loot your corpse? <laughs> <laughs> right, so it, it depends. I guess, like I said, uh, you, you can sort of find ways of kind of getting uh, getting like an extra kind of like a respawn sort of, so to mm-hmm. speak in those in those instances you would uh, theoretically if you died in a place that you can actually get back to um, you, you theoretically would be able to go kind of and find your um, find yourself but if, if if not then you'd basically be kind of starting from scratch gotcha now are, are you just losing character progress there or um, I, I assume things that you've accomplished in the narrative, continue and you're you're picking up from where the the other person left off essentially yeah that's yeah that's right we're 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 kind of experimenting with uh with uh with the balance between you know you're you're losing your kind of like material goods you know your character upgrades all this kind of stuff so like you're kind of you're losing that but um we're we're, we're trying to find ways to sort of it within in ways that kind of make sense with the universe and with the lore and everything to try to sort of uh, let certain bits of your progress kind of continue on and then sort of looking at what kind of progression you can have kind of outside of that single character loop, you know, if there's anything that can kind of carry over. Um, I don't really want to say anything specifically because, you know, to be to be honest, I'm not 100% sure yet because uh, it's it's one of those things that we, we just kind of need to balance over time, but we're, we're interested in, you know, finding that, that, that correct balance between not just kind of like, you know, you have one shot and that's it versus you don't really have too many consequences because if you die, you're just going to kind of pick it up anyway. So, okay. you know, somewhere in between, I guess. <laughs> sure. Sure. Somewhere between zero and a hundred. It's there. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I guess it was uh, during uh, PAX, uh, Polygon did a, a preview of the game, and uh, I bring this up because there was a, a mention of the uh, the popular, popularly used quote of like we only use ten percent of our brains, <laughs> and um, there were some really angry comments down in the comments section from that, and I was I was just wondering if you wanted to kind of expound on that a little bit. Yeah, that was <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was, that was kind of interesting. Um, it was. Uh... Yeah, so we were we were a, a little bit a little bit surprised, but I mean, you know, that's that's the internet for you, I guess. Right. So there's right. Who, who who take offense to everything, but um, I guess where where that kind of comes from is, um, and uh, and again, this is kind of uh, you know something our creative director would, would be you know the best one to really like elaborate on, but the the idea is as actually one of the people in the comments kind of said actually, so kudos to you know him whoever whoever that was. Um, the idea is you use 10% of your brain kind of at any one time. It's not like, okay, you have 90%, you know, is like this kind of useless little like lump that's kind of there, but you, you sort of, you can only activate really so much of it at any time. So it's kind of like a, you know, like right now I'm going to use my brain to like, you know, to talk and think about what I'm going to say, blah, 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 but I'm not using the other parts for, you know, for other things. So, right. You're, uh, you're consciously using your 10% of your brain at a time, essentially. Yeah, so yeah, I, basically, you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm no, uh, I'm no biologist by any means, but that's that's basically kind of the idea behind that. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was a. Uh, so Pamela was, helps you multitask, basically. 
<laughs> yeah, somewhat. <laughs> well, in, in the preview, you also kind of mentioned um, that uh, that basically Pamela is using the inhabitants kind of like um, servers almost where their brain power is processing things. And so if you kill too many people, it could have effects on on the environment itself. Is that, is that still a thing? How does that kind of work? Yeah, so uh, that kind of manifests itself in a few ways. So yeah, I mean, as you as you said, basically, um, they are they are kind of being used as sort of like human servers, kind of uh, in a sense. Like she's basically connected to everyone through their arm, um, you know. So she she's connected to everyone's you know vitals and all this kind of stuff. And she basically, you know, she kind of has she's like the all-seeing eye kind of thing, right? So that's kind of where that sort of interconnectivity. Um, you know, come, kind of comes into play. Uh, one of the, the the ideas behind that is, you know, you have this kind of utopian society where, you know, as because it's a utopian society, you know, people aren't you know working like nine to five, you know, at Seven Eleven, whatever, trying to make ends meet. They're they're basically living in this kind of paradise where everything's sort of at their fingertips. So, uh, the the idea behind this was that they're kind of even though they're not sort of, you know, working, they're kind of being. Uh, you know, they're, they're still being sort of made use of in some way. Not necessarily in a sinister kind of way, but I mean, they're, they're sort of, their brain is kind of being, you know, being tapped. So the, 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 so the whole, uh, you know, if you kill too many people in an area, that kind of thing, you know, we're, uh, we're, we've got some things in the works where, you know, you can actually cause like, you know, the, the power to kind of fluctuate certain systems to go down if you, you know, go on like kind of like a killing, you know, killing rampage. Uh, there's also... A, a kind of morality system of sorts that uh, um, they, can, they can actually, you know, come back to bite you as well with the the city's uh, with Eden's uh, peacekeepers, um, uh, the peacekeeper uh, robots that are that are still around basically that can actually respond to you, you know, kind of acting out like that. So there's a few kind of consequences, I guess, of of just kind of going on, a, you know, killing killing rampage essentially. <laughs> Besides the fact that you might end up getting yourself killed in the right. process, right? Uh, so I assume since there's uh, kind of a a morality uh, kind of essence to the game in some ways, uh, that there there are non lethal options to take down enemies as well, or is it is it more you know stealth is your your best option if you don't want to have to kill somebody? Yeah, there's a, a, definitely a bit of both. I mean, uh, stealth is something very important to us. Like we, we want to. We want to basically give people a lot of tools to uh, to uh, deal with enemies, I guess, and deal with them not necessarily in your you're getting rid of them, but you know you you can kind of avoid them, sneak around them, uh, knock them out. The idea is you have more options than 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 one, which um, uh, you know which is which is important, and that's kind of what ties into some of the you know more unconventional uh, weapon types. You know you uh, you have things that might you know cause their arm to malfunction. So you're sort of like stunning them or blinding them through, you know, through these different means um, as a way to kind of, you know, escape or get past them without them kind of, uh, you know, you know, bothering you, that kind of thing. Huh. Very cool. Very cool. Brian, do you have any yeah. more questions? Um, no, I, I think, think we're good. I think we can go to the end. All right. Take it away. All right, so uh, like we said at the beginning, uh, or we told you in the beginning, 
Uh, we kind of like to end with a bit of a questionnaire that's a bit more personal in nature. Um, so it'll be focusing more on you uh, rather than, you know, Pamela or and her, her goings on. If you want to try um, to answer for her, uh, you're more than welcome to. You're more but... than welcome to. I don't know if I could count those answers, but we, we'd be <laughs> super impressed nonetheless. Um, but uh, so anyway, without, you know, further gilding the lily here. Um, let Question number one. Um, who is your favorite video game protagonist? Huh. Um, that's a tough one, actually. <laughs> um, yes. Oh man, that's a, that's a, that's a loaded one. Uh, I, if I had to just say the first thing that kind of came to mind would be Master Chief. I'm not necessarily sure why, but that kind of is the first thing that comes to mind. Although uh, I, I don't necessarily know how to how, how to how to explain that. I mean, he's badass, I guess. You know, he's just iconic, right? <laughs> <laughs> He is. Yeah. He's you know he's on an upward swing again. He's no longer sleeping right now, so that's good. Um, flipping the coin, uh, number two. Um, who is the who's your antagonist? Who's your favorite antagonist? Favorite bad guy? Favorite antagonist. Yeah. Um, oh man. See, I should have like prepared some answers for these. <laughs> no, that's why it's so much fun because we get you on the spot. It's great. That's right. <laughs> And nobody's judging you but us, so you're fine. Exactly. Uh, wow. Uh, favorite antagonist. Uh, uh, ba ba Man, I'm 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 drawing a blank here. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know. That was coming to mind. I'm getting uh, I'm getting a uh, you know. You put me on the spot here. <laughs> I'm That's right. A- <laughs> that happens to me all the time. So, okay, so we, we How do you feel about the flood? The flood. You get Master uh, Chief as your favorite. Um I how do you feel about the flood? Not that they're favorites, but just just general feelings on them. Sure, well, I guess the flood were uh kind of uh kind of, kind of interesting in that they're sort of this, you know, the enemy of everyone sort of thing, but but they the uh, both the humans and the covenant, they kind of don't really realize it sort of until it's too late. And you have that kind of confusion between, you know, you know, what, like, are they kind of this, uh, holy thing or are they, you know, this kind of plague, like there's that kind of itching back and forth. And there's, there's actually a lot of, uh, really, really obscure, um, backstory about the, the origins of the flood that I'm not even sure where, where they came from. It's maybe some in, in like halo books. I, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, really, it's strange. Something about you know they they start out as like pets to the forerunners, and you know they one thing led to another, and downfall of civilization, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yep, and Much another it. reason why we can't have nice things. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so, how do you feel about fighting the flood? Because there are a lot of people that really hate the flood. Yeah, interesting. I mean, uh, I. I guess I guess it's kind of a it's kind of a love hate thing I suppose I mean I personally I, I enjoyed those uh, those parts of the game quite a bit um, they definitely uh, have they're kind of a mixed bag in terms of you know you never really know what's going to happen right they kind of you know they're they're kind of coming from all over the place and they could have a rocket launcher or a shotgun you never know what's going to happen so I guess there's that kind of random element to the whole uh, whole kind of thing but you know I I enjoyed it as part of you know the the balance of the game between, you know, the Coven and the Flood and Brutes and Police and all that kind of stuff. 
Well, thank you for taking part in Floodcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So now that 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 now that the flood test is over, because naturally we ask that of everybody for no good reason. Um, what what do you think is a is a trend that's going on in gaming right now that you'd like to see stick around for a while? Hmm. A trend. I mean. Yeah, a trend. Uh, you know, like a trope, something that that just kind of started or, or, or has been around and nobody's really taken note of it that you're like, hey, you know what, this should keep going. Uh, it's, I, I'm trying to think of something more like, you know, pro, profound than what's kind of coming to mind. I mean, yeah. in terms of like something no one knows about, but I mean, just... No, in, just, you know, like, whatever you're thinking of. Yeah, in, in general, I mean, this is maybe, you know, I'm kind of biased in this way because it's kind of something that, that we're, we're trying to do too, but uh, I think the kind of move towards trying to make games more open-ended um, and uh, not necessarily less you know story driven or anything like that but sort of make them uh, more kind of procedural in ways more kind of character driven um, to you know not not that should replace kind of narrative storytelling by any means but it's something that has been kind of growing a lot you know you have like these RPGs like you know the whole Elder Scrolls series those kind of uh, those kind of games that uh, I'm personally those are you know Huge, a huge fan of those games, um, and uh, a lot of a lot of uh, especially indie games. Um, I think you know that are, that are coming out now are really exploring that kind of uh, you know kind of more character driven sort of experience. So I think that's uh, or not character, but uh, the player driven. Um, so I mean, I think that's something that is is going to kind of that's going to keep happening. I think like people love, people love choice. I think you know even if it's Little things that kind of seem dumb, just little things you can kind of choose throughout throughout your experience that, that makes it kind of your own. Absolutely, and I think stuff like Mass Effect definitely proved that. That the the moment you give somebody agency in something, it starts to become theirs. And over a period of time, where that agency kind of keeps building, um, you know, if you show them a kid at the end, they're going to go crazy. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of uh, it. It almost makes it sort of more more meaningful in a way. You, you you feel like you actually have you actually have kind of like a, a part to play and a decision to make. It, it kind of actually ends up drawing you in. Uh, I think you know potentially more than than it would otherwise if you're just kind of playing along a story. As much fun as those kind of games can be too. I mean you know just running through gorgeous hallways and crazy encounter to the next it can be fun too. But it's uh, just a different kind of experience, I guess. Oh yeah, totally, and everything's got its place. Um, flipping the coin. Next question: um, Is there anything you'd like to see go away? Hmm. Um. Well, uh, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure about uh, about going away necessarily. Um, I mean, something I've seen um, that you know, I, w there's something that we, we we really ourselves want to. Uh, do everything in our power to avoid, and, and we want to never fall into this boat. But there's, uh, I, I think, a big prevalence with the whole rise of this kind of early access Kickstarter kind of uh, kind of culture that leads to, I, I, I think, unfortunate amount of, of games that kind of like get their foot in the door, but then they sort of never quite make it. They kind of, you know, you get into early access, or you, you know, you kind of get past your, um, you know, your Kickstarter thing, but. You know, for 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 one reason or another, either they kind of made enough money, or you know things don't work out, and you end up with this kind of like, kind of halfway uh, finished thing. I mean, I think it's um, not necessarily like it's not always 
or I don't think maybe even often is it like any kind of nefarious thing, but it's just kind of sad, you know, to see that sort of some people can be really hyped for something and then they kind of like kind of get it, you know, and you have it in early access and then it's sort of, it's doomed to sort of stay in early access forever and it slowly dies and you have people who are kind of clinging on to it like, you know, maybe they're going to come back and finish it, but then it never happens. I mean, that's kind of sad to me, I, I, I guess, you know. It's not always the developer's fault, of course, but it's, you know. It's but it, a, the fact that it happens is sad. Mm-hmm. And especially once all the time and, and everything's put in both on the player and the dev's part. It's like, you know, seeing seeing something like that die in a kind of, like, almost like non-honorable way is just, uh, it's sad all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's something that didn't really happen, uh, you know, not at least this way as much before. I mean, really before, I mean, early access, you know, Steam early access obviously really kind of popped thing, but you know, even going back to I think, in my memory, Minecraft kind of jumps out as like the kind of you know genesis of the whole uh, you know paid early access kind of thing. And since then, there's been definitely a lot more of this kind of stuff happening, which uh, you know hopefully hopefully less of. But uh, at the same time, it's I, I kind of think the, it's part of the whole idea of like you're trying to democratize game development, but unfortunately, that means it's going to be you know, more halfways more finished projects as well or you know finished projects so obviously we have to be you know in the latter of those two categories but i don't think a lot of people who are in the uh you know half finished early access category planned on on you know not finishing either so oh yeah yeah everybody goes into it with the best of intentions and i mean just yeah. like with even with stuff like the double fine um you know like the broken age where they had to say like hey listen we got to put this out in two chunks because it just became bigger than we had planned for uh you know that's it, gaming is full of all kinds of that stuff and i think what's most amazing is that there's so much there's a lot more communication about it now and there's a lot more transparency with it um where in the old days you never you just never would have heard of that game mm-hmm. yeah it's it, fair it enough. never, never would have come out it, you know right? something yeah. like that would have ended up on the, the the cutting room floor right yeah that's fair enough yep um next question um right you know uh, this wasn't originally the dream, but it's kind of become the dream. You making games, um, kind of going your own way with that. Um, outside of architect, which you found to be not fun, is there any <laughs> other profession you you kind of got on the background that you'd be that you'd love to give a try to? Hmm. Anything. That's a that's a tough one. I remember uh, I remember you know a, a few years back uh, I, I I threw around uh, you know thinking about. Um, you know, being a, being a, a musician at one point, uh, but I don't I don't really have any time to actually. I, I used I, I still play guitar a little bit, but I don't have the time to do it that I that I used to. That's for sure. But uh, there is you know a period of time, maybe a few years ago, where when you know I was uh, I was thinking about it, but you know that's uh, another event, another uh, you know parallel universe somewhere maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe when you respawn, you can uh, you can try that out. If you, you if you remember those skills and you know those yeah, carried you over. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about weird parallel universes. Um, next question: Have you? This is not the question. This is a prelim question. Um, have you ever seen uh, John Carpenter's Escape from L.A.? Uh, actually, I have not. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. 
It, that's more for my amusement than for anything else. I just use it as kind of a step stone into the real question. Okay. Um, so at, at the end of that movie, through uh, hook or crook, um, Snake Plissken, uh, the hero with bunny rabbit ears of that story, um, comes into possession of a remote control um, that um, allows him access to a set of government satellites that circle the globe, um, all of which will set off a very golden eye-like EMP pulse that will send us all back to the Stone Age with, like, the click of a button. Um, you get a memo that says that's going down tomorrow. What game do you play tonight? Oh, man. Well, you know, I'm going to... Since since I haven't played yet, and I really want to, <laughs> and we're having this conversation today, I'd have to say Bloodborne, because I haven't tried it. I've been to play it. It looks amazing, and I... Uh, I actually don't even have a PS4, so I think I have to buy one to play it because it's, like, killing me that I haven't yet. So I guess that would be the one. <laughs> I'm done. Absolutely. That works. All right. Uh, final question. Well done on that one, by the way. Uh, final question. Um, at the end of our lives, um, when we come to the gates of the Mushroom Kingdom and Toad is waiting for us with the Book of Our Deeds, what would you like him to say to you before he lets you in? Uh... I, uh, I, I guess, and this is, this is it, uh, I'll try to, like, not sound too, uh, too, too cheesy or anything here, but I guess just, the, you know, I, I, I was able to, uh, along with, you know, all the, all the guys here really kind of create, create something and hopefully many things that, you know, were, were able to touch a lot of people's lives and, and other people were able to have a lot of good times, you know, because of it. I think that'd be... <laughs> that works for me. Yeah. Don't worry, yeah, don't cheesy, don't worry about cheesy. The question is cheesy. That's not your fault. That's mine. Uh, but that's it. You passed. That's the last question. Uh, thank you very much. That was fantastic. Jonathan, take us home. All right. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining us tonight and talking about Pamela. If you could just send us out by letting our listeners know where they can find more information about the game. Sure. So you can check the game out at uh, Um You can also check us out at Envive Studios uh, on Facebook and Twitter. Um, we're uh, we're going to be putting up a dev blog pretty uh, short. Well, we technically is already up, but we haven't really uh, got a lot of content there. But that'll be on our website. So, yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again, and best of luck as you uh, head further into development. Before, uh, look forward to hearing more about you.